another informational resource from UK Healthcare. This is UK HealthCast, featuring conversations with our physicians and other healthcare providers. Here's Melanie Cole. Kidney transplants are the most common organ transplanted in the United States. Kidney transplantation, which improves health-related quality of life and survival, compared with dialysis, is the treatment of choice for end-stage renal disease. My guest today is Dr. Thomas Wade. He's the medical director in Renal and Pancreas Transplantation Program at the University of Kentucky Healthcare. Welcome to the show, Dr. Wade. What are some conditions that can lead to kidney failure and a possible need for transplant? Well, there can be a lot of different causes of uh, kidney disease. One of the major ones that we deal with right now, and perhaps the major one, is uh, type 2 diabetes mellitus, which becomes more and more prevalent as uh, obesity becomes more of a problem. Um, And so that is onwards of almost 50% uh, of what we deal with uh, in terms of patients and the causes of kidney disease. less frequent as type 1 or, or so-called juvenile uh, diabetes mellitus, <clears throat> but it still can cause, over a period of time, uh, kidney failure due to, due to diabetic nephropathy. Um, we also have uncontrolled hypertension. Uh, also, that goes with uh, uh, changes with obesity. Uh, that is more prevalent in African Americans than it is in uh, white Americans, but nevertheless is, is still an issue. And also, obesity just by itself can put a lot of stress on the kidney and cause um, changes leading to renal failure. And uh, those are uh, causes of what is uh, some of the causes of what are called focal glomerulosclerosis. So, at any rate, uh, there are a number of different causes. Uh, The more prevalent ones right now that we're dealing with uh, is uh, associated with the epidemic of. uh, of uh, obesity in this country. So if someone's suffering from FSGS or a form of kidney disease, diabetes, whatever it is, obesity, and their kidneys become, you know, damaged, they're starting to fail, they've been on medicational intervention, and now they're looking to dialysis. Life on dialysis is not easy, is it? So when does dialysis become the consideration for getting on that transplant list? Well, anybody who is on dialysis or approaching dialysis can certainly be evaluated potentially for a kidney transplantation. That's not to say that everybody has a right to kidney transplantation because not everyone is uh, suitable for transplantation and organs are in very, very short supply. If you go back to 2013, for example, uh, there were about 93,000 patients on kidney transplant list, and about one in five of those patients was transplanted. If you, you know, segue to the current day, there are about 102 to 103,000 patients on the kidney transplant list, and again, only about 20% of those patients uh, can get a deceased donor kidney transplantation. For that reason, it's very important that we... um, look for potential live donors within a patient's family or even uh, patients um, who have potentially no donor within the family uh, can also uh, perhaps find a a friend um, or even sometimes an altruistic donor, which would uh, give the patient a living 
unrelated kidney transplantation. Uh, we also have patients who are not compatible with potentially one donor, but maybe with another donor, and therefore we can uh, do what's called paired donation, where we match up the compatible pairs and uh, transplant patients in that way. So everyone gets a kidney transplantation uh, that is that is potentially compatible, uh, even though it may not be uh, within the family. So it's uh, something that we have uh, done here for the last few years. Um, we've actually done as many as uh, uh, five pairs uh, at a time, um, but usually two pairs or three pairs are uh, more logistically uh, uh, feasible and uh, uh, usually what uh, what occurs at this, this institution. So if somebody does get lucky enough to get on the list and get a deceased donor or even lucky enough to get a living donor transplant, then what do you look for as far as rejection and patient selection criteria? You know, after a kidney transplant, are there certain patient characteristics that you're looking for, Dr. Wade? Well, not so so much patient characteristics as there are um, perhaps hard stops for not being medically suitable or not being suitable for transplantation from a uh, psychological or social um, uh, uh, aspect. We basically screen these people very, very closely and look for any type of problems which we think might arise which would relate to the patient not being able to come to clinic for their follow-ups, not being able to afford or take their medications, um, you know, potentially any type of substance abuse which might get in the way of, of being able to follow up with their physicians, follow up with their medications, being able to afford their medications, etc. All of that would be a, a potential deterrent to moving forward with uh, transplantation. Uh, we want to make sure that, you know, the patients have the best chance of, you know, surviving with a functioning uh, kidney graft or a pancreas graft for the longest time possible. And organs being in very, very short supply, uh, it's, it's optimal that we preserve the function of the first organ transplant for as long as possible. So what kind of lifestyle changes do you want someone who's received a kidney transplant to make? it? And what about even well visits afterwards and their general practitioner and just kind of maintaining that healthy lifestyle? What do you want them to know about what they should do after that type of surgery? Well, certainly. We want to make sure that, that they don't do anything which would harm their health either before or after transplantation. A perfect example is smoking. Smoking has a risk of, of cancer, not only of the lung, but also of the esophagus, uh, the bladder, the kidneys, uh, and you know other, other places in the body. And when we immunosuppress a person to keep them from rejecting their kidney, we also knock down or stun the immune surveillance of the body, which detects cancer cells early and essentially eliminate them before they they start to grow. When you immunosuppress a person, then that part of the immune system is suppressed, and if patients continue to smoke or continue, in some cases, large amounts of alcohol, which is a risk for esophageal cancer, 
then they can potentially develop um, a malignancy or a cancer uh, sooner than would be uh, otherwise the case if they were not immunosuppressed. We like to try and keep them out of the sun as much as possible because of the risk of sun cancers, which is significant. We tell them to, you know, wear sun-blocking clothes and hats and, and wear sunscreen, et cetera. Um, but additionally, because it's so prevalent now, we try and get these patients to lose weight. Uh, that basically decreases the amount of undue stress on transplanted organs, particularly the kidney, because there can be recurrent diseases like focal sclerosis after uh, transplantation. It decreases their risk of developing diabetes, which is um, probably 30 to 35% of all kidney transplant patients with over a 15-year period, even if they were not diabetic prior to transplantation. So adding additional weight just uh, increases the risk of that. And of course, with the uh, new onset of, of new diabetes comes more stress on, on the kidney transplant. So those are some of the changes that, that we really try and impart to our patients <clears throat> to try and keep them um, with good kidney function and uh, good overall health for as long uh, of a period as, uh, as for as long of, uh, of a period as is possible. Transplantation actually imparts probably two and a half times more remaining life years um, than if a patient stayed on dialysis. So uh, in this particular case, we want to make sure that we optimize their chances of, of as many life years as possible by keeping a good kidney transplantation functioning. Hypertension is another thing. We try and keep that uh, in, in control because of the risks of hypertension. Uh, and actually, transplantation may improve overall control of blood pressure, uh, which is you know, very, very significant in, kid, uh, in kidney failure. Uh, and uh, again, this would improve overall uh, health benefits and decrease cardiovascular risk uh, after transplantation. Um, dialysis has about a 9.9% per year mortality from, um, from cardiovascular complications. If you transplant a patient with a good functioning kidney transplant, that reduces from 9.9% per year to 0.9% per year. So it's a tenfold decrease in cardiovascular risk after a successful transplantation. That's such great information, Dr. Wade. And so in just the last few minutes, give us your best advice for preventing kidney disease, keeping healthy kidneys, and then tell us about your team at the University of Kentucky Healthcare. Well, right now, there, there, I mean, there are some things that obviously we can't do anything about with regard to uh, kidney disease, polycystic kidney disease, diseases, secondary diseases that cause kidney failure that... Uh, that uh, come on a, a person like an autoimmune disease or something like that. But in terms of, of the things that we can control, hypertension, blood pressure is one of them. Obesity is another. If you are diabetic, keep your diabetes in as good a control as possible and just basically exercise, eat a good diet, maintain your weight. And those are about the best things that I can say in terms of overall control of, you know, of, of the factors which can produce kidney failure that we really have or that the patient really has uh, an, an ability to control themselves. 
my team here at the University of Kentucky. Um, I have uh, an associate uh, transplant nephrologist, uh, Dr. Analia Castellanos, who's um, kind of been with me now for 12 years. Uh, we have a new person, Dr. Hassan Fatah, who is starting in um, September, uh, coming from the medical um, or Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, we have four transplant surgeons, Dr. Gadali, Dr. Malay Shah, Dr. Um, Jonathan Berger, and Dr. Michael Daly, um, who also uh, do uh, pancreas transplantation, and uh, uh, some do liver transplantation as well. And uh, let's not forget that I have a, an excellent group of transplantation nurses um, who follow patients uh, very, very closely, uh, both for kidney and for pancreas, uh, and also um, many ancillary staff, people who do our scheduling, make things run seamlessly, uh, our uh, administrators who basically keep uh, an eye on quality control and all of our statistics, and uh, I think it's just a very well-run institution. We have uh, been transplanting since 1964. That's only 10 years after the first kidney transplantation was done at the Brigham Hospital in Boston, uh, only one year after the University of Minnesota started their program, and we were the first program in this region uh, to do kidney transplantation. So um, I can say with pride that one of our patients uh, it was um, uh, had their 50th anniversary for their kidney transplantation on December 6th of last year. So we have a, a pretty good track record in, uh, in transplantation uh, in general and in kidney transplantation in particular. Thank you so much, Dr. Wade, for being with us today. This is UK HealthCast with the University of Kentucky HealthCare. For more information, you can go to ukhealthcare.uky.edu. That's ukhealthcare.uky.edu. I'm Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.